Welcome back to the West London Witch. Today's episode contains a story of rape, incest, child murder, suicide, and drug misuse. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Toronto, 1972. A heating engineer, an accountant, a bookkeeper, an industrial designer and his wife, a sociology student, the former chairperson of Mensa, and the wife of one Dr. George Owen gathered around a table to commune with the spirit of Philip Aylesford. Philip was born in 1624 under the rule of King Charles I. He had a successful military career and by the tender age of 16 had already been knighted. Philip was a loyal royalist who served in the king's army during the English Civil War and while out on a king's errand, met the love of his life, a beautiful noblewoman named Dorothea. However, their love was not to last forever, and soon their marriage soured. Bitter fights began, and Philip wanted out of his loveless marriage. However, he was devoutly Catholic, and therefore there was to be no talk of divorce. One day, while he was out surveying his vast estate, he met a young traveling Romany woman named Margot. Margot was captivating, kind, and bewitchingly alluring. Philip and Margot fell madly in love, and Philip couldn't bear the idea of the two being parted. So he stowed Margot away in the estate's gatehouse. But it wouldn't be long before Dorothea discovered the affair. Dorothea was enraged and thirsty for vengeance. The 1600s was a time that was rife with witch trials. Hysteria and accusations flowed freely through Europe and the New World. Dorothea capitalized on the witch craze and accused the young Margot of being a witch. Philip could not advocate for his young lover. For those who defended suspected witches often burned alongside them. Instead, he stood in the crowd and watched the flames devour his one true love. Broken, guilt-ridden, and consumed by his grief, Philip sadly died by suicide at the age of 30. A tragic end to a truly intriguing tale. And it is a tale, for it never really happened. Philip was completely made up by our eight seance guests. The group had been selected by Dr. Owens and a psychologist, Dr. Joel Witten, to see if they could manifest a ghost and a subsequent haunting by just believing in it hard enough. Everyone knew and agreed that Philip was not real, But by buying into the experiment wholeheartedly, the thought was perhaps all of that joint psychic energy could make Philip a real ghost. And sure enough, it worked. The group experienced table shaking, intelligent responses to their questions using knocks, the table tilting onto one leg, and even the table moving about the room on its own. There is audio, video, and eyewitness accounts of the poltergeist phenomenon. And the Philip experiment has even been recreated by other groups who have had similar results. Of course, this experiment and its successors are highly 
criticized. It is said that there is a lack of solid controls and just too many variables for it to be scientifically proven. But it's not totally unrealistic to believe that if enough people put total stock and faith into a thought, feeling, person, or even spirit, that that energy could manifest into fruition. Every day we use mantras such as dream it, believe it, achieve it. So I believe there is an argument that we could dream up Philip, believe his story, and therefore make him achieve self-actualization. Halloween. Welcome to episode 42 of the West London Witch, a podcast where we share stories about those moments where we find ourselves very much not alone. What would Halloween be here at the West London Witch without our favorite paranormal duo, Chris and David from the Eastern Connecticut Paranormal Society? We love Chris and David for a variety of reasons, and if you've been a longtime listener of the show, you already know why. Not only are Chris and David both incredibly ethical, scrupulous, intelligent, and hypercritical of their work, they're mainly just really nice, honest, good guys. The people you want to call when your family is in a paranormal crisis. Chris and David are both seasoned paranormal researchers and investigators. Chris uses his clairvoyant psychic gifts alongside David's clairsentient psychic abilities to gather even more information about their cases. Today's case is a trick-or-treat extravaganza of EVPs, tragic deaths, wrongdoings, and a local legend with a horrific ending. Grab your Halloween candy, dim the lights, and snuggle up by the fire. I'm Rebecca Strazina, and this is the West London Witch. And by the end of this story, I know you will also have an opinion about what's going on at the window. This is so easy to talk about because it's so wild. How we got into the end is the the exciting part to me is I pass the in all the time when I go to a case in that area of the state for at least the last five years. I, I want to get in there. I, when I drive by there, I see spirit. This is Chris, co-founder of the Eastern Connecticut Paranormal Society. Chris is a psychic medium. He sees spirits, does automatic drawings, and can even see auras as well. It's not uncommon for him to see spirits, especially at a historical site. 
But the Wyndham was different. It seemed to call to him. And I would see these spirits from different periods of time, not just from the 1700s, but 1819, you know, these different time periods. And I wanted to get in there, wanted to get in there, wanted to get in there. So I was driving by and I saw a sign in the front yard, a Facebook sign saying, help support the Wyndham Inn preservation. Light bulb went off and I said, I'm going to contact these people and give them a fundraising item. Allow us to go investigate. And then we'll do a presentation on our findings and you guys can sell tickets to the presentation. They talked about it. They invited us in and we were able to do the investigation. We did two investigations and they're asking us to come back and do more. The Wyndham Inn was built in the 1780s. It was originally an inn and tavern, then a hotel, and then transitioned into apartments in the 1950s after World War II when a housing crisis struck the area. It was closed and condemned in the mid-2000s and has sat empty ever since, rotting away. In 2020, the inn was donated to the Wyndham Preservation Incorporated a local group of passionate residents who are dedicated to restoring the inn to its former glory. But this is a massive undertaking. It is literally falling apart, decaying from the inside out. It has no running water, electricity, heat, or plumbing. Walls are subsiding. Flooring is crumbling underfoot, and windows are boarded up to prevent any more weather damage. It's a great place to investigate because there isn't any electricity to mess with digital tools, but it's also extremely dangerous, a health and safety nightmare. Ordinarily, Chris and David go into a location knowing nothing about it, but they had to do a daytime walkthrough of the Wyndham because it's so dangerous. They still didn't know anything about the history, but they needed to get a lay of the land. Now, we've talked about a K2 meter or with you guys and you know a k2 meter measures electromagnetic field and and i walked into the inn i'm holding the k2 i walk in and the k2 goes nuts when it, your k2 meter is going off and there's no electricity it's an indication that there's spirits around now being psychic i know there's spirits around so it's like this is just validation The inn has a central entrance with a foyer that brings you directly to a main staircase. On either side of the foyer are receiving rooms that are now apartments. Although they were just there for a structural walkthrough, spirits had already began to present themselves, foreshadowing the sort of picture the rest of the investigation would unveil. Well, I walk into the foyer and there's, I call it a barmaid, and midway up the first set of stairs, kind of beckoning me in to show me where I'm going to be staying for the night. And then I went into apartment two, which is the room to the right. And there was, I call him the colonel. He was a military man standing next to the fireplace, like his elbow on a mantle, drinking some libation. Um, he was a little tipsy. Uh, you, know, you could tell that he frequented the tavern when he was alive. So he was there. Where it gets kind of ominous is the rooms to the left of the, and both, both David and I had this experience. 
we walked into the first room and that was okay, but either one of us could walk through the next doorway. David, the other co-founder and a clairsentient medium, had his own feelings about the first floor and that back room. When we got in there, um, the first thing I got when I walked through was actually, I got a vision of electricians and other maintenance workers and they were heading down into the basement. It was almost like, you know, the tenants called and said, something's wrong with the heat. Something's wrong with the electricity. Can you check it out? And they would go down there and you could see when you go down into the basement, there's all these circuit breakers, a tons of them for every apartment. And they were kind of coming up and saying, nothing's wrong. They can't find out why the heat is cranking up to, you know, a hundred degrees. So I got a vision of that happening, which was later confirmed by tenants who used to live there in the 90s. And they actually came to our presentation and admitted that, yeah, they would they would call in maintenance workers for problems with the heat. And the maintenance workers would have no idea why it was doing that. Uh, one of the back apartments for me, again, at the time, I didn't know why. Uh, but Chris and I both believe now, after the investigation, that there was a drug overdose that happened in that apartment. And first investigation, I was getting people who had either overdosed or committed suicide through drugs. Someone stuck a needle in their arm to kill themselves. More sadness awaited the pair on the second floor. The second floor walkthrough is where I picked up on couple that stayed there when that was an inn. So they had to have been there prior to 1950. I want to say prior to even automotive because they died in a carriage crash. There were, it was the winter time and they were coming from the south. So I'm not sure where they were coming from, but it's a sense they were heading toward Harford or the center of the state. And they stayed at the inn midway. Their carriage crashed and they perished, the inn being the last place they stayed, that's where they went back. So they're there. And then on the third floor, I picked up a pleasant yet chaotic type of energy. Uh, to me, this was something to do with children, possibly. I was getting a sense of that uh, pranks were being played on the tenants that live there, where objects would move, disappear, or just rearrange by themselves lights would turn on and off, things of that nature. Um, but it wasn't necessarily malicious. It was just kind of in a playful manner. A week later, the full team came back to do their investigation. Chris and David still didn't know what they were in for. And now the team's historical analyst and photographer were in tow for this unbelievable investigation. They certainly were not ready for what they were about to uncover. But perhaps someone was ready for them waiting, watching, prepared for their visit. So what was interesting then was when we originally went there for to do the initial walkthrough, just to see the layout of the inn, make sure we're safe when we're there. <laughs> um, as I was walking the perimeter, I actually saw a young woman standing by Route 14. And she was just standing in the woods. She seemed sad to me. Uh, it wasn't really... There wasn't really communication that happened. It was just more of, okay, I see you. I don't know who you are, um, but I know that you're there. So when we come back, I now know maybe you'll come forward and talk to me. 
The Windemann is nearly 250 years old. Needless to say, there is a lot going on there. They knew the inn was spirited. Chris had seen them while driving by. So they expected to be greeted by a host of different ghosts. What they were not expecting was a tragic death, a dead baby, and an abused young woman. The team began with a slew of EVP and spirit box sessions that gave them some more insight into who was still at the inn and why they might be there. So how we like to put evidence together is we get our psychic claims, we write them down, what we're getting psychically, and then we try to catch evidence that corroborates our psychic findings. We were asking questions to different spirits to see who was there with us. And one of the responses we got was a man saying his name was Smith. And when we looked into the records, we actually found out that Smith was the last name of one of the owners of the inn. Can you tell me your name? Can you tell me your name? This one was interesting. Um, I believe Sarah says something like, do you know it's 2022? And a female says 1900. We asked um, the spirits why they're here. And we got, I belong here. We asked, are you searching for your parents? And a child says, find them. We asked, we asked a male spirit how he died in apartment three, and he said, gun blast. How did he die? How did he die? So again, we're, at, we're getting a lot of responses that are intelligent responses. And they're all from all different types of spirits. I mean, male, female, young, old. There's just a lot of spirits there. And I, again, I don't know if it's because it's just such a transient location for so many years or if it's self-manifested from previous tenants. As compelling as these EVPs were, it wouldn't be long before the investigation took a dark turn. Where the Wyndham End gets its fame from is the story of Elizabeth Shaw. Although neither Chris or David knew the history of Elizabeth Shaw at the time, their research analyst certainly did. Elizabeth might not have been a hot topic of conversation in 2022, but in 1745, she brought serious shame and dishonor upon herself and her family. On June 29th, 1745, Elizabeth gave birth to a baby in the woods behind the Wyndham. She was 19 unmarried, and hid the pregnancy and birth from the town. She was described as having intellectual disabilities, and therefore it is believed she would have been easily taken advantage of. The baby was left alone in the woods and subsequently died, hungry, confused, and without a chance of survival. The baby was later found, and Elizabeth was charged with murder. 
she was torn from her home and given a speedy trial. She had no attorney to represent her, and she was not allowed to testify or advocate for herself. She was transported down Route 14 past the location of the Wyndham and hanged at the gallows at the end of Plains Road, which is visible from the site of the Wyndham Inn. Some may say that Elizabeth got what she deserved for such a heinous crime, but there is a lot more to this story that Chris and David were soon to find out. So when we first started, we started on the main floor in a, in a group in the second apartment, um, and Chris and I do our thing. We start writing down what we're getting. So one of the first things that I started getting actually was of that same woman that I saw during my walkthrough by the road. So she came forward and I was picking up on her emotions. So she was scared, confused, anxious about something. And I didn't quite know what this was. Then it kind of turned more into actual fear and desperation. And I kept asking her why she was feeling like this and she wasn't really telling me. Then eventually I ended up getting a vision of her and she was being dragged out of a house, not necessarily the Wyndham Inn, but she was being dragged out of a house by several different men. They were grabbing her wrists and her shirt and pulling her out of the house. And she was looking back to what I'm assuming to be her father, almost as if a cry for help. And he basically ignored her. So that I think is part of what I was feeling when she was giving off these different emotions, uh, that desperation, that fear, anxiety. She didn't know what was happening. Now, at this point, I didn't know Elizabeth's story. This is just what I'm getting in real time. After that, I write down three words baby, death, and murdered. So I get these three words, and now I'm looking at my my notepad going like, what the hell? You know, this can't be good. So now I'm starting to piece together. She's scared. She's anxious. She's in fear for her life. I'm getting a vision of her being dragged out of the house. She's looking to an older male for help which I'm, again, I'm assuming to be her father, and he's not giving it to her. He's letting her take them, letting them take her. Uh, And now I'm writing down that there's the death of a baby, and it was homicide-related. I don't know the circumstances of how she got pregnant. Uh, There are stories that her father got her pregnant, uh, or a townsman got her pregnant, but she knew that being pregnant was bad. So all of a sudden, all this started to make sense. The team realized they were now in the presence of Elizabeth. And what she was about to reveal to them was equal parts horrifying and heartbreaking. So when we were doing our initial EVP session, before Chris and I were writing down Elizabeth's name and the three words I got earlier. Um, we were asking the spirits of the inn what they needed help with, if they needed help. And one of the responses we actually got was of a female spirit asking us to help her children. So you hear in the clip, she actually says, help my children. 
So this was interesting um, because it cued us into a woman that needs help with something involving kids. And for me, it was confirming the woman I saw who was sad outside the inn during my walkthrough. And then during the investigation, when I eventually wrote down Elizabeth's name. So we believe that this could be Elizabeth. Listen closely to this incredible EVP. You can hear a haunting, whispering woman at the top of the clip pleading, help the children. Chris then asked Elizabeth why she was staying at the Wyndham. Why hadn't she moved on? Why do you stay? Have a listen to that again and see if you hear the word child at the end of the clip. Why do you stay? But the story continues to thicken as Elizabeth reveals even more about her past. What do you want to tell me? I killed. What do you want to tell me? I killed. We asked questions to Elizabeth about, was she raped? Yes. All right, I said, were you raped by your father? No response. Were you raped by your brother? Flashlight comes on as a yes answer. I'm like, maybe the story is, just needs to be told. A little, find out more of the story. What exactly happened to Elizabeth? Maybe that's why she's showing up. And maybe that's why I got in there now, because she needs to have her story. So that's part of where we're now starting to piece together the story a little bit and say, okay, maybe it was not her father. I don't believe that he did do the rape. Uh, I do believe she was raped, but I don't believe that happened. Because shortly after or during her trial or or after her conviction, he went to Hartford to, or the story says, he went to Hartford to get a reprieve and didn't get back in time or, or didn't get it. Now, did she get raped by her brother? You know, we, we have a flashlight confirmation, but, you know, us history, there's actually written documentation. And it's very hard. We can't even find her grave. But there's another twist to this tale because we know for a fact that Elizabeth Shaw never, ever went to the Wyndham Inn. Problem behind the story is that Elizabeth Shaw was hung in 1746 and the inn was built in 1783. So why is Elizabeth Shaw there? Why did she visit the she, and she's not just seen at the end. She, people have reported that they've seen a woman walking along the highway there alongside Route 14 and down Plains Road. Plains Road is where she was hung. We will never know who took advantage of Elizabeth. 
What do the ghosts at the Wyndham think of these stories? We asked, we were asking about her story and we asked, is that a nasty rumor? And a male actually comes through and says, please help. Is that a nasty rumor? Is that a nasty rumor? There's two speculations of why Elizabeth Shaw is at the end. First is perhaps there was something there before the end was built. And we just can't find any record of a building that was there. My impression is that she was brought there. I believe someone did a seance or a conjuring of some sort and brought her energy into the inn. Now he stays. As Chris said, we will never really know exactly what happened to Elizabeth. But I agree that there is more to this story than just a murderous mother. At the end of the day, Elizabeth was a victim too. And her story deserves to be told. In the case of the Wyndham, do you think it is haunted? Or do you think that it is hundreds of years of saying it's haunted and therefore it is? I think a little bit of both. So I think that Elizabeth was definitely a real person. She really was hanged. Um, We are not sure on all the details surrounding her history, but there's definitely spirits there that are associated with maybe the inn, definitely the land, and they're able to come forward and talk with us. And then I think probably with some of the children, for instance, Part of me is hesitant to say they're actual children and that they may just be some type of that pleasant, chaotic, fun energy that has been left over from tenants believing that their apartment complex is haunted. And of course, what's creepier than a little kid um, throwing things around and playing pranks? Not much. I don't think so. I think it's a combination. Neither Chris or David went into the Wyndham knowing anything about Elizabeth Shaw, but both agree that she is there and wants to be recognized and understood through a more modern and sympathetic viewpoint. Chris believes they were brought there to hear her story and to start a new conversation. I hope that wherever Elizabeth is, she finds peace. And hopefully, through her interactions with the Eastern Connecticut Paranormal Society, She also feels heard. So, what do you think? What is going on at the Wyndham? Head on over to the West London Witch Instagram and Facebook and let us know. Stay safe this Halloween, friends. And thank you for sharing your spooky season with us here at the West London Witch. What was your name? What was that? Do you have a spooky story you'd like to share? I'd love to hear it. Drop me an email at thewestlondonwitch at gmail.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook at thewestlondonwitch. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And come and follow us for additional content on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time, 
Merry meet, merry part, and merry meet again. The West London Witch is created by me, Rebecca Strazina. Our sound designer and production magician is the incredible Danny Cross. Our theme music was bespokely written and performed by the wickedly talented Kyle Hall. Our cover art is the beautiful collaboration between Lizzie Wilson and Jake Bowser. Special thanks to Miss Sinead Bowers, our quality control and biggest cheerleader. And thank you to you, all of our listeners all over the world. These are your stories. Thank you for sharing them with us.